it's good to engage with a different audience that might not necessarily choose to come to you or happen across you. And I think that's really important. So that's where the van is great because it enables that interaction with the different audience. It's a really a central point around which we can turn around and see what is going on. So it's both like a useful tool to repair, but also a demonstration tool. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering, and I make a monthly podcast for The Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. In this month's episode of The Restart Project podcast, we're taking a repair road trip and talking to Simon Fremenard, and Ginny Uppington about two mobile repair cafes that have been spreading the word of fixing to new audiences. First, you'll hear from Simon, who worked with the Belgium network Repair Together to build what started as a theoretical idea for his final project at university. Now it's become a recognisable travelling repair hub that even made a very popular appearance at FixFest in Brussels last year. My name is Simon Fréminard. I come from Belgium. I'm a product designer and the Repair Café Mobile project was born in September 2017. When I was a student, I was looking for an end of study project. So I had a few ideas before thinking about creating a mobile version of a Repair Café. The first thing I wanted to create is to bring to life the knife sharpener cart. Back in the day, there was a man with a cart. It was a nice meeting point for citizens and also to sharp uh, your knife and to make uh, them last longer. This initiative disappeared in a lot of countries and I wanted to bring that to life with a 2.0 version. It was an idea to try to reach more people, even those who are not interested in keeping their stuff longer. That was the first idea. And then some discussions I had with my teachers. I thought, why not repair more products than only knives? So I discovered the Repair Café initiatives and I found it very interesting. And I wanted to make it more visible and to reach even more public. So that's what I thought about doing a mobile version of it, to be able to go to a marketplace, to a city center, in a village, in festivals, in schools. Because repair cafes, most of the time, are organized in closed spaces. And that's not really easy to attract more people. So I wanted to make this initiative even more open with this trailer. So it all started in September 2017. That was the first contact I had with uh, Luc Derrier, which is the coordinator of uh, Repair Together. Luc was really enthusiastic about the project and they told me that they always have been dreaming about this solution and that they're going to help me to first design it and then to see if we could make it real. Firstly, I sent a, a mail wondering if my first idea was right, if it fits a real need. I wasn't expecting this reaction. Luc was really enthusiastic about the project and it gave me really good energy to do my last year of study. So the first step was to think about which kind of mobile tool we're going to use. With the trailer, we could also use it in different way. We could 
have different trailers with like specific repair for each trailer, but we chose to have the all-in-one version. So it's easier to set up and we have everything centralized in, in one place and people can meet each other and we are more linked with the Repair Cafe concept. The first version I presented at my final jury at the end of the year was not exactly the same as the real one. After the jury, Repair Together told me we helped you to design it. Now we are going to help you to build it in real. So I gather all the technical data. I also contacted workshops to see how much would it cost to make it real. And then Repair Together did a really great job in finding those funding. And one day, Luke called me and he said, like, we have the funding and now we are going to make it real. I was really happy, but I was also a little bit stressed because at this step, I really had to do my job as a product designer and produce technical drawings to be in contact with manufacturers, with uh, workshops. But that was really a, a nice experience. So in discussion with the workshops, I improved some aspects of the trailer. I choose another kind of wood panels for the construction, for the modules, because I wanted to make it more durable. When we are repairing stuff, there could be like some shocks and things that could damage the panels. So I did the second version and I did all the technical drawings. The workshop who did the construction had quite some experience with building custom-made trailers and had really interesting feedback and advice for that. It took approximately a year to build it, but that was not like full-time working for the workshop. And the final step was to measure the weight of the trailer to see if we are under the limits. We were 50 kilos under the estimation. It was a really a great news. So we, we were sure that we could drive it with a normal car driving license, which was a really important thing for us because otherwise it's less accessible. Then after this project, I uh, build and design other trailers. So I kind of discovered a passion when I was doing this project. So it really starts something else. And what was the design process for this mobile repair cafe like? I believe there's like three areas within it, like a reception area, a repair area and a cafe area. The first thing was to analyze the needs. So I was in contact with Repair Together and with some uh, repairers. I wanted to see what would be the best options to include in the Repair Cafe mobile. I couldn't include everything. So I thought about what are the main things of the Repair Cafes. What is important to include? It's not only like about repairing things, but also to follow the same process as a Repair Cafe. And we have to welcome people and then understand what are the problems with their device. And then having working spaces for repairers. We also want to have a coffee, a tea. I just analyzed how a normal repair cafe works and I extract the main characteristics and I included that in the project. Right. And it was part of that about seeing the value of co-repair. Is that something that you think is important in this process? Yeah. I wanted to have something side by side because I think that when the visitors are in front of the repairers, it creates like a kind of a service thing. But I wanted working spaces side by side. So it's easier for the visitor to get engaged in the repair process because 
This is also something really important in Repair Cafes to learn people how to repair things, that they also learn that they can open their device and how, because a lot of people think that it's something that's impossible to open, that there are a lot of difficult things inside, but when you try to learn how things work, it could be easy to repair things. And how has the project been used so far in your time kind of working on it? What kind of things have you done with it? The first event was in 2021. It was not so easy because of COVID crisis, but we were lucky that with the Repair Cafe Mobile, we could organize outside events. That was not on purpose, but we were lucky with that. So for the last three years, we organized three tours of Wallonia in collaboration with waste management organizations. In a tour, we are moving with the Repair Cafe Mobile in approximately 20 or 30 locations. In the three years, with the extra events we organized, we are approximately at 100 events. Basically, it could be like in a city center, in a village, in a recycling center. This year, we went inside the recycling centers. So we could ask people why they are wasting their device. We are also explaining that it's possible to repair with uh, repair cafes. And we can also try to repair their things in live. The main idea of the Repair Café Mobile is to go where there is no Repair Café yet. Because of the collaboration with the waste management organizations, we had to find compromise to choose locations. But next year, we would like to organize it by ourselves only, and we will see if we could go more to places where there are no Repair Café yet, because that's really the main goal of it. And so what are the benefits of the mobile repair cafe compared to the traditional static model? So really a central point around which we can turn around and see what is going on. So it's both like a useful tool to repair, but also a demonstration tool. So the benefit is to attract people. And so they can see what is going on. They don't need to speak to someone to understand uh, what is going on. They can just have a look and see that people are repairing things. And there is also a screen in the welcome area on which we can show some information on, on uh, what is a repair cafe, where to find information like website, things like that. But I also added some features to make the repair easier. Like the roof is made of translucent textile. So the light can go through and we have really good lighting for repairing things during the day. I try to work with different height. So in the welcome area, it's higher than for the working area. So it's more comfortable for people who are standing. Also for the coffee, it's a little bit higher. So I also thought about the ergonomic aspects of the project. I also included some other features like in the working space for repair, the wood is removed all around the table. So it avoids screws to fall on the ground. So there is a place to locate screws and, and uh, screwdrivers or tools, things like that. So I, I thought about specific like improvement I could make because it was a really custom-made trailer. I included in this trailer tools to repair bike, to repair electronical devices, the most common one. There is also a sewing machine. You can also repair other kinds of stuff like a chair or a toy, things like that. I have a colleague, Alessandro, a really good repairer, 
that includes like specific tools, sometimes tools that Repair Cafe cannot afford because it's better to share it. And uh, we show Repair Cafe what are the possibilities. We have a, a battery tester, for example, to test the battery of devices and to be able to recover it. This is something we can show to local repair cafes. And if they want to learn to use it, Alessandro can explain it. So this is also a nice way to show specific tools and to be able to share it. If you're feeling a little frustrated that podcasts aren't a visual medium, don't worry. We'll include pictures and diagrams on our website. I also include 3D printer. The idea is to be able to reproduce spare parts with a 3D printer. It's also a way to show what are the possibilities because in some events, local repair cafes visit the repair cafe mobile to see what it is, but also to repair, to help in some way. And so we can talk with them about those kind of technology and features to see if they think it's interesting or not, or if they can include it uh, in their repair cafes. There is also another feature that's maybe like small details, but uh, I think it makes the difference. We have 4G Wi-Fi router, so it allows repairers to check online tutorials, also to show to the visitors on which website they can find spare parts, things like that. It was important to have an internet connection. I mean, that seems essential, yeah. Are there any barriers that come with mobile repair work? And are you limited in the kinds of items that you can repair? It depends on the seasons because the trailer is really open. It's open to the public, but it's also open to the rain, to the wind. We don't have something to protect and to close the space. That's because we wanted to make it open. So it can happen that we have to close it because of the weather. It's really rare. In the three years, I think we had to close it like once or twice. So it's not really a, a big problem, but we use it between the end of April until the repair day, so uh, mid-October. If you want to use it in winter, it won't be comfortable. When we have some help from the local repairers, we want to offer them good conditions to repair, to try to do like really precise actions with the cold and with the wind or the rain. It doesn't work and uh, it's really a, a bad experience. This is a, a limitation. Otherwise, in terms of the type of products we can repair, I tried to cover as much product as possible. We don't have like twice a tool, so we cannot repair two devices that needs the same specific tool at the same time, but repairers like to come with their own tools as well. So there is no uh, big uh, lack of tools. One thing that could be a limitation is the amount of spare parts. We have some electrical components, the main ones. We have some bike accessories to replace common uh, spare parts. This could be the same issue for a normal repair cafe, but we are limited also with uh, weight to be able to drive it with a normal car license. I think we have kind of the same limitation than a, a normal repair cafe. It really depends on the, the tools. For the three tours, people had to register before participating in the event so they could indicate the problem with their device. So we could analyze that in advance to be sure that we can handle the, the repair. And so what are your top recommendations or the top things that you'd do differently if you were to start this project again? Globally, it works quite well. I think we have some problem with 
the roof when it rains really heavily the rain passes through the roof and sometimes we have water drops on the working table which is really not good when you are repairing electronic uh, stuff another problem with the 3d printer really needs a closed area with a stable temperature and that's not the case so i i would probably make it differently otherwise i think that globally it reached the goal Maybe something I could do is to have another version of it, like a lighter version that we could use in other kinds of events or in other regions like uh, Brussels to have a bike trailer or to have a cargo bike. I don't know, but it could be like really complementary. As you've proved by what you're doing, if we think a little bit outside the box and think how to do these things, they can be solved. So how do you think that what you've done could be scaled so that mobile repair cafes could become more common, both locally and globally. So when I designed the project, I really wanted to make it open because this is also the goal of the repair cafes to share knowledge and to share information. So I wanted also to be able to share the project. At the end of the project, I created an open source file in which People can find all the documentation, the technical drawings. I did also a document in which I mentioned all the things on which you have to pay attention when you are constructing this kind of trailer, about the weight, about the technical things, about the budget as well, about the legislation aspects. The idea is to make it open source. So at the moment, I think we already sent it 30 time-ish, something like that. Always for different kind of needs. Sometimes it was just for uh, curiosity. Sometimes they wanted to check the feasibility budget-wise and technical-wise, if it was possible to do that uh, in their country. It would be really uh, nice to see other repair cafe mobile appears in other territory. We could also think about having two or three repair cafe mobile even in Belgium. So we can go to different place at the same time. But it's all depends about resources. When we are traveling with the trailer, we are always two employees because we need to open it and then also to be there to organize the event, to be there at the welcome area. Sometimes a colleague can also help repair. It's a huge management also in terms of costs. It could cost a, a lot. In the, the Wallon region, we already have a lot of requests. We will try next year to go to more places, but the demand is there. I think it could be the same in other countries. The problem is the budget and the resources. That's always the thing. Right. So to scale it, we need more funding, we need more resources. But what you're doing gives a lot of hope and a lot of inspiration to lots of other people. So hopefully there will also be funding that will come with some of that inspiration and some of that excitement. Next, we're going to hear from Ginny, who leads on the Fixie initiative from Resource Futures. I spoke to her about the benefits of having a travelling repair bus in rural areas of Somerset and why proactivity is so important when finding new communities and getting them involved in repair. 
Hi, I'm Ginny Uppington. I'm the Fixie lead. I work as part of Resource Futures. Here today to talk about the Fixie project, which is very exciting. So it came to be from a desire to get the message out there about repair and reuse, particularly over a really largely rural county, which Somerset is. Often rural issues and issues of surrounding rurality get overlooked and things get looked through by an urban lens. So it was a really interesting proposal to meet some of those challenges. So our grant funding was initially secured from EcoSurity and we ran on a one-year pilot project. But we've also been extremely grateful for support from Somerset Council and Suez, both in terms of grant funding, but also in terms of their engagement in the delivery. And that really helped us to reach out into communities very quickly and to sort of maximise that impact that we could have on the ground in a sort of relatively short period of time. So that really helped. And the whole partnership aspect from various people has been absolutely key along the way. And it's, it's a lovely to work in those ways. It's lovely how we came up with the name. There was a public competition that was held for anybody who lived in Somerset to submit suggestions to the name and then the public to vote on. The actual winning name was Fixie McFickface, <laughs> which you can still see on the side of the van. But quite quickly and absolutely very affectionately, it was shortened to Fixie. And it's really well known van when you're out and about. So the other day I was driving to actually a non-Fixie related meeting and somebody saw me get out the van and they were so pleased to see it. It was lovely, you know, like, ah, it's a Fixie fan. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice. It's really recognisable. That's lovely. That kind of thing gets people interested in what you're doing in a fun way, you know, which is great. So can you tell us a bit more about how Fixie operates and what you've been up to? So it's a massive bright blue van covered in white graffiti, sort of big high top van. It's got side opening doors and a awning that comes out depending on the weather we've got a gazebo in there as well so we can actually take up quite a lot of space we've got solar panel energy in the van and we've got a wide selection of tools and bits of equipment and glue and cable ties and whatever in there that are really useful for the repairs and also to load out as well. And we've got a lot of leaflets. We've got a lot of how-to information, information about all the local neighbouring repair cafes to promote those, because I think that's a really important aspect to get people to use those regularly as an option and also to learn those repair skills for themselves. You know, that's absolutely the ethos is that, you know, you can do this. This is possible. So really, we promote messaging around repair and reuse, and we've been absolutely working alongside the repair cafes themselves. So promoting what repair cafes are out there, recruiting volunteers for the repair cafes, and getting that messaging out to particularly rural communities that often get forgotten and don't have the ability necessarily to get to repair cafes or hear about things that are available locally. We've got an ambition to get more repairers on board, and that's always been the ambition for the project, to get out and about more we really, really over-delivered on what we expected, which is lovely. So like we over-doubled the amount of conversations that we had. We collected 3,717 kilograms worth of tech, nearly 1,500 items donated. 
it's been going really well. So first year was super successful, which secured follow-up funding. And then we've just actually last week, last Monday, secured further funding for Material Focus to continue the project for another year. We'll be out and about with that, absolutely promoting repair and reuse, which is at the heart of what we do, but also some recycling messaging along there too particularly about recycling um, small electricals and the ability to do that curbside in Somerset for residents. We have done a lot of tech amnesties with the van as well, where we have taken laptops, phones, tablets, cameras, partnered with Donate IT, who are absolutely incredible company. And we give the smart donations to them. And as far as possible, they get refurbished and then through other partners such as CCS and Spark, they get donated back out into the community to those who are digitally excluded and are really in need of those pieces of equipment. So that's to young children, that's to refugees, that's to some of the homeless community, all sorts of different people. So that's wonderful. And then those pieces that aren't in a state to be repaired or refurbished, it's okay all is not lost for you you can be taken apart and those precious metals saved so that the whole life cycle is being looked after properly that's been really really useful and we really actually exceeded our expectations of what we've managed to achieve in that side of things and are there barriers that come with a mobile repair site and are you limited in the kinds of items that you can repair so yes of course there are barriers <laughs> particularly like for events for example we have to get permission to park a big van somewhere which presents its own challenges but what's really nice is that you have a big van somewhere that's really visible and people are like oh what are they doing so it's a challenge and an opportunity and I mean you've already touched on this but you make an effort to not just engage with the general public but with schools and with businesses too I mean how does this work differ from the average repair cafe and do different audiences engage in different ways we partnership with Carrymore Environmental Trust, who are absolutely wonderful. They are so good at what they do. And they do really, really engaging workshops and assemblies in schools about waste education. And we've been lucky enough to partner with them and go along. And then we bring the van along. And it sort of really hammers home and makes that a really memorable experience. And what we'd like to do in the future is to have a bit more lead in over that so that we can also do the tech amnesties and get parents to bring things along as well to complete that circle and maximise that opportunity to get things out into the community in lots of different ways. With businesses, their tech donations are wonderful for Donate IT because they tend to be of a higher quality and so really, really good for refurbishment and getting back out into the community to those who are digitally excluded, which is great. But also that's an opportunity to engage with the staff and talk about reuse and talk about, really importantly, talk about repair and try to start changing that culture. You know, people seeing repair as the first choice option. That's great. And it sounds like you've got a, like a really multifaceted approach. Like you're, you're talking to lots of different kinds of people. And that brings us all into this kind of collective goal of repair and recycling and changing and transforming our world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's great about the van is rather than people having to go to a repair cafe, like we, for example, go along to lots of eat festivals locally, where lots of people really interested in food. They haven't come there to talk about repair. And it's good to engage with a different audience that might not necessarily 
choose to come to you or happen across you. And I think that's really important. So that's where the van is great because it enables that interaction with the different audience. It's this big, bright blue van covered in graffiti. It's really visible and it does make people come and have a chat and find out what you're all about. So you're also able to visit communities that may have less access to repair, like, for example, they're more impoverished or they're time poor or they're in rural communities. Why is that important to you? Somerset's a rural community and it has all those challenges and everybody has the right to access repair. It shouldn't just be those who live in the middle of a town centre. On the van, it's got solar energy as well so that we're able to operate in more rural locations and that was built in as a design aspect right from the word go along with boxes of tools and things like pack testers to lend out to repair cafes that don't have those bits of equipment along with support and guidance about how to use them. We don't want anybody to be left behind and so those who haven't been reached rather than harder to reach. Let's make different inroads. Let's try different ways to find those people. I think it's up to us. It's on us to find those people and show what options are available. Being mobile, that means you can go to the rural communities in a way that I'm sure the cities in Somerset, I mean, I I know Bristol, will have plenty of repair cafes, you know, in in, in locations where people go. But the rural communities, it's much harder. I live in a kind of relatively rural area. It's much harder to get about. And so if we're expecting people to repair things by getting on a bus that comes once every hour, that just doesn't make it viable. But then you come in in your van and that, that must change things dramatically, I guess. You not only use the bus for repairs, but also support reuse too. Can you tell us more about your work on tech redistribution and how this has helped the local community? Yeah, so that's working alongside Donate IT. There's so many people that have got a drawer full of old mobile phones or a tablet that is seven years old or whatever and they just don't actually know what to do with it and they don't know how to recycle it safely and they're worried oh no I put my bank details on there I'll just leave it in that drawer and so it's really nice to be able to go out there with the backing of the council that we're safe it's a safe place to donate your smart tech and as far as possible that gets refurbished and as I said we work with other charities to redistribute those out to those who most digital need and who are those most digitally excluded because I think it's really important to recognise the different skills out there in the community sector and whilst we're focusing on you know repair and getting that messaging out there actually those people who are working with very vulnerable people are the ones that know who that needs to go back to. So it's that partnership has been absolutely key to making sure that this works as a fully thought out project and those bits of tech that aren't in a fit state to be refurbished, they're still used. It's still worthwhile because those precious metals, etc., are recycled, which is really, really vital to our whole you know, world's resources. Absolutely. What are your top recommendations or the top things that you'd do differently if you were to start this project again? 
It's been wonderful. I and mean, we couldn't have done this without all the repair cafes out there doing incredible work out in the community. We couldn't have done it without Donate IT doing their refurbishment work. We couldn't have done it without all the charities that distribute tech back into communities. We couldn't have done it without all the community buildings and the community events that enable us to come out and say, yes, we'd love you to come along and talk about repair and reuse and absolutely promote this as a wonderful option and a go-to solution for people, whether that's for environment reasons or whether that's, you know, cost of living crisis, whatever that might be. And so I think that partnership approach is absolutely key. It's really important to record those case studies along the way to absolutely be able to sell those stories of change and when you know, that person living in a really rural location hasn't been able to get on the bus with their Hoover or whatever it might be and has been able to save something from landfill because of what you're doing. And to talk to other people who are just as enthusiastic about repair and reuse as we all are. There are so many incredible, knowledgeable wonderful, enthusiastic people out there. And it's great to connect with them. Amazing. I mean, the last thing that I ask kind of everybody is, is there something that we haven't touched on that you've wanted to touch on? I think the other thing I haven't touched on that has been lovely, and this has definitely happened through the Fixie Van, is speaking to those wonderful, engaged, enthusiastic people that I was just talking about, and locally them coming together to form a local repair cafe. Because as I said, the van's there and gone, but the repair cafe, it's there every Saturday or two Thursdays a month or whatever it might be. And so that's really, really wonderful locally that we've been able to get those volunteers enthused and thinking, yeah, actually, this is something that we can do in our community building or village hall or whatever. We can make this happen. And then it's really lovely working with CAG Somerset, who are able to support those groups with their constitution, with some of their insurance costs, with help and advice about risk assessments and how to set up and run successfully. So wonderful to see. The more repair cafes, the better. (laughs) It's so inspiring to hear about the -the out-of-the-box ways that these two initiatives are working to spread the message of repair and to make it more accessible to those who need these resources most. There are so many areas that could benefit from a mobile repair option, from rural areas in the UK to the global south. We hope that this amazing concept will proliferate all over the world and maybe you'll see one in your own town in the near future. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the restartproject.org.
where we've also set up a fundraiser. So if you've enjoyed this episode, do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications producer, Holly, who does the research and the planning for the podcast. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.